Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I want to address one of the more common your doctor friend questions that gets sent to Julie and myself. So, Julie, I want to pose to you, I just hurt my knee. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> it's like one of the number one text messages I get. I get that and and the one that we covered before, which was I just threw my back out. Um, yeah. I feel like, yeah, this is the most acute question I get from like friends or family or honestly, it's one of the more common things I see in the office. I mean, I know Jeremy, you and I are sports medicine docs, so I feel like I just blew out my knee. It's kind of like throwing out your back and blowing out your knee are, <laughs> are the are, are those terms that we hear all the time. And, and what does that mean? And what do I do now? And oh, my God, is this an emergency? Uh, yeah, I think this is a great one to help people navigate through through at least like the initial how do I deal with this? This is scary. Is it broken? Feeling. So I'm sure many of our listeners have had a moment where they've kind of like had some pain in their knee and they're like, that was weird. Uh, and then maybe it persists uh, one of the times and you're kind of like, what do I do? And so I we're going to really focus down today, not on the 700 million diagnoses or like the different types of treatments. Once you see the doctor, those are all valuable. But what we're going to help you with today is what do I do in those first few days or weeks or whatever and do I need to go see an emergency room and all this other jazz? What do you do? I got some pain in my knee. Listen to your doctor friends. Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen. And we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. Julie, I'm 36 years old. I uh, am getting older every single day. I was in the backyard. I stood up from, uh, I don't know, pulling some weeds and I twisted and felt a pop in my knee and it kind of hurts. I can't really put much weight on it. Help. <laughs> I think you need an amputation, Jeremy. Uh, done. <laughs> End of episode. <laughs> Goodbye. No, I, I, I've been there. That's happened to me before. Um, and it's weird because in the moment, it's like it's that mental inventory of like, oh, shit. It, can I can I bend it? Okay, I can bend it a little bit. Ow, that hurts. Weird. Okay, what do I do? Oh my god! And usually it's like the your life flashes before your eyes of like, oh my god, I have so much shit to do, and now this thing, you know, like I'm going on a trip next week. I'm supposed to go skiing in January or something. You know, I feel like all this stuff, all the the, the worst case scenarios pass through your head of like, what was that pop? Oh my god, was that my meniscus? Was that my ACL? And then, and then I think of like every single friend I've ever heard of that has had done some horrible thing to their knee and had to have eight surgeries. Like, oh God, now I'm in that club. So it's easy to catastrophize it because I don't know if you feel the same way as me, but I feel like the knee is a very dramatic joint, kind of similar to how we talked about the ankle with Dr. Hamid, that kind of a drama queen, I think he called the ankle. And I think the knee behaves relatively similarly. Um, but I think you know, there's ways that we can counsel our listeners right now the same way we counsel our friends and family and even our patients that come in about like, all right, what it, what is what's the stuff I probably should be worried about or seeking care for? So, Jeremy, first, I would ask you, all right, is it like one? Can you bear weight at all? That's a good place to start. Yeah, uh, I can bear weight. It doesn't feel great. Okay. Like, it's not like as soon as you put your foot down, it hurts so badly that it feels like it's going to give out on you. No, but I have a noticeable limp. Okay. So I, I think I would take that as it's, there's probably not a broken bone 
situation. Right. And I feel and the like the mechanism doesn't really make sense with a broken bone, right? I was Correct. going up and twisting like I didn't get hit by a car or right. a or a You're... linebacker or a load of bricks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Your daughter didn't throw a brick at your knee. No, yeah, I didn't so the fall likelihood off the roof. That you ha- the likelihood that you have a, a an unstable bony fracture situation is pretty low. With that kind of mechanism of injury and the fact that you can put even a little bit of weight on it is probably a re- that in and of itself would be reassuring to me as a physician saying, all right, it's probably unlikely that you, you broke some type of bone situation or there's something that you should not be putting weight on it altogether. Because that's one question I, I feel like I get. It's like, am I supposed yeah. to be on crutches? Yeah. Why did you start there? Like what what that you you immediately started with? I don't have a fracture. So like, why is that important? I think it it helps me to strategize and sort of triage the management of this problem. You know, like and I think you touched on it even in the intro of like, what's a situation where maybe we should be thinking about potentially going to urgent care or the emergency department? And I think what I think we're trying to get across to most of our listeners or to our listeners is that most people probably don't need to go to the ER when it's a low velocity, like like mild mechanism of injury type of oh, I twisted funny and now my knee hurts. That probably doesn't necessitate an ER visit. And it's all mainly because it's a waste of your time as the patient, as the knee haver, that you're going to sit around for hours and hours and hours. And you're probably going to get, maybe you'll get an x-ray, maybe you won't. Um, You'll get a big bulky knee immobilizer and then some ibuprofen, most likely, and you'll be sent home and told to follow up with your doctor or with an orthopedic person. Does that sound about right? Yeah, no, I think, and especially these days where the ERs are just absolutely packed with yeah. upper respiratory illnesses and everything yeah. else. I mean, the vast majority of orthopedic things, unless you are physically dying or a limb is not attached in some form or fashion, nice. you are very much being given some medication and saying, make an outpatient appointment. So I love where you started because, again, when do I need to go to the emergency room? So besides, let, let's just say the trauma was much bigger, Julian, like mm-hmm. I can't put any weight down and mm-hmm. it, it's miserable and maybe there's like a deformity. Like those are reasons I should probably go see somebody. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's I would counsel that if you were my brother and you were like, it's bent in a weird position and I literally can't put any weight and or like I'm losing sensation. You're like. That, well, that's a good point. Are, so like, yeah, vas- yeah, vascular stuff, right? So mm-hmm. like if you're starting to notice de- decreased blood flow, what does that look like? Like cold in your foot or like it's changing colors. Like, but again, usually from high mechanism trauma, Zach Miller right. with the Bears had that happen and he plays football yeah. and had a major nasty injury, right? Me picking a weed, I'd like to think I'm very athletic, but either way, like I'm probably not rupturing an artery uh, doing that. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think that, no, I think that's a really good point. Anything else you'd want me to go to the emergency room? I just called you like an hour after this happened. So anything else I need to like, disrupt my Sunday with? I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be a subjective pain management thing. Like if you tried to like kind of just chill and put some ice on it and maybe take a acetaminophen or an NSAID or whatever, if you're having like terribly excruciating pain, that's a little bit alarming to me, but I think that would be an odd situation for that type of mechanism of injury. But I guess like if you cannot stand the pain that you're in, that might be an, a, a reason why, but I don't know. Was there something else that you were thinking about a concerning this should be seen emergently type of situation? No, I don't think so. I think, I, I think again, the, the, the take home from this part for, for both of us, I think, is the vast majority of these things don't need to go to the emergency room. So we're trying to save you some time. And, and money. Uh, yeah, and money and everything else. And so you can listen to the disclaimer at the end of the podcast about how there are some times that it needs emergency care. And we're not trying to be your doctors over the waves here, but vast majority don't need to. The one other one that comes to mind for me, and again, since the fracture, 
um, maybe line a little bit, but but mm. if you land directly on your kneecap, that that one can fracture. Um, mm. And if you land directly straight on your kneecap and it fractures, you probably don't want to be bending and straightening your knee a whole lot, just because it can mm-hmm. make the fracture widen depending on what it looks like. You want to be in like a knee immobilizer. It's like the one time to be in that thing that prevents you from bending and straightening your knee. Mm-hmm. And unless you have one of those lying at home or have some friends, I guess that would be a reason to to go to the emergency room. Although I'd hate for you to go to the emergency room just to get a knee immobilizer. So I don't know. Call all your friends and get a knee immobilizer and put yourself in it. And then and then you don't have to go do that. Yeah. So I would say the next question. So now we've kind of ruled out the necessity for, oh, my gosh, this is so bad that it might be an unstable fracture or something that would need to be like operated on emergently, which, again, I think is like one percent of these injuries or less. You know, like that is very uncommon. That we see that it's usually we're more in the, the the world of sprain strains maybe something internally torb and maybe even something that could potentially need a surgery but it doesn't need it right this second it might need it right. in the next month or two or in the next week or two you know depending on what your goals are so i guess the next question i would ask you is like is it visibly or palpably swollen like does it look bigger and weirder compared to the other side i'm on the phone with you an hour afterward and, sure. and my answer to you is no it doesn't visibly look swollen but I think this also transitions to like, is it swollen 24 hours later or 36 hours later or anything like that? But but yes, great point. Is it swollen? I'm looking at my knee. No, it's not visibly swollen. When I go to like bend and straighten it, it feels a little tight. Okay. Yeah, that's usually what I get when I ask people, even in the office. And usually enough, I'm seeing them in the office. It's at least a day after, minimum a day after it's happened, because I'm not always going to see somebody within minutes of it happening. Usually it's a few days, but yeah, it'll be like, it doesn't look swollen, but it feels swollen. And yeah, I think that like that tightness sensation or it just feels like I can't bend it or straighten it all the way could translate as swelling too. And okay, so because oftentimes I'll counsel patients and I won't get too into the weeds about this, but like internal problems, meaning something got annoyed, smushed, squished, torn inside the knee joint. I think of I tell people like their joints are encapsulated. There's like shrink wrap that goes around every one of your joints and the knee is no exception. And so when something is inside angry or inflamed, it may swell, meaning it's going to create something called an effusion or people think of it as like water on the knee. Um, And you'll see that as like kind of, yeah, that tightness or that ballooning up of the joint and, you know, knees that become really big, fat, giant, swollen pretty quickly within the first 24 hours. Maybe a little bit more red flaggy that like, could this be something that in the end, you know, might benefit from or may, might mean going down the the algorithm of con- considering something like an MRI or something like that? Yeah, I think you've hit on a good point because so it, we'll summarize at the end, but we're kind of hitting on major things that we care about. So the, fr- you know, fracture or um, I do frequently get the question of like, is a broken bone and a fracture the same thing? Yes. Like break, fracture, all the same thing. So yes. that. But then the next thing you asked about was swelling, right? Because now we're worried about something maybe being structurally injured in the knee. And so swelling in the knee does concern us, but again, not to go to the emergency room. Um, And then age stratification, right? So like Mm -hmm. somebody who has a swollen knee who's 22 versus somebody who's 74 can be a huge difference in like what's the diagnosis, right? Because somebody who's 22 hypothetically has a more pristine knee. And so we're thinking about more structural injury versus the 74-year-old could have lots of wear and tear. And so in that case, we're talking about, you know, more of like maybe aggravation of some arthritis. But swelling itself can be, you know, a little bit of an issue. And it's not to say that like the 22-year-old injured knee is more important. It 
it may just mean as opposed to the 74 year old injured knee it just helps us to kind of stratify what what we think the most common cause of that is and how to address it in the most efficient way so like a 22 year old acutely swollen knee and a 74 year old acutely swollen knee it's not that one's more important than the other it's just that their management strategies probably differ um so just making that point of like it's not that we don't care about the 74 year old swollen knee it just uh you know we want to make sure that we're being reasonable in our our treatment of it and what's going to benefit the patient the most so Swelling is one. And then the other one, um, the other question I would ask you, and I know it just happened and you haven't really been putting much weight on it. So this might be a question for a little bit later in the day or the next day is when you are able to kind of put weight on it and walk around on it or try, do you feel like it's causing what we call mechanical symptoms? So like catching or locking, feeling like it's getting stuck in a certain position or just like randomly giving out completely? That's another question that I think is worth being introspective about when you have an acute knee injury. Yeah, very good. So at this point, you've probably recommended what? I probably put some ice on it, take the anti-inflammatory, you know, kind of give it a little bit of time. I feel reassured. Thank you for being available by phone. And now at this point, like, I think the next question people are going to have is like, what should I watch for over the next few days to be like, yeah. should I be making an appointment to get this looked at? Or like, you know, if this completely resolves, like, am I good? That kind of thing. And that's the that's the million dollar question. I mean, the the first part is, yeah, I think I would I would consider, I don't know, I feel like all these things always happen on the weekends when there's not great access to either your primary or, you know, your your ortho person or sports person or something. Um, I, I think it's not unreasonable to reach out to your, if you have a primary care physician um, or if you wanted, uh, if you don't have one or if you would prefer to try like an urgent care situation, I think this would be a, a, a really... Um, a reasonable situation where seeking that kind of care would be super helpful to be like, I just want someone to take a look at this and, you know, listen to my story, lay some hands on me, maybe get an x-ray if, you know, if, if that seems reasonable and kind of help with some expected management. So personally, I'd say, yeah, I think it's not, not unreasonable if you've got an acute injury and it's Saturday afternoon to, consider making plans for Monday morning to either reach out to your physician's office or, or seek care in an urgent care. If you've been kind of resting, icing it, elevating it, maybe wrapping it a little bit, doing a Tylenol or an NSAID for 24, 48 hours, and it's still really causing you a lot of trouble. Yeah. I, as, as busy people um, yeah. with lots of things going on and the amount of time and effort it would take to get an appointment like on a Monday um, and the aggravation of it, I think my feedback would be is the vast majority of things that are going to need some form of intervention. What I mean by that is like surgically mm -hmm. don't need to be treated right away. Yeah. Like they don't need surgery within a week. Yeah. The vast majority, the couple exceptions are like tendon tears, right? Mm -hmm. So like a quadricep tendon tear does need to be treated within about two weeks. So how do you know if you have one of those? Well, first of all, usually 24-year-olds don't get those, right? Yeah. Those, are, those are usually our... You're not our 24, Jeremy. No, 36-year-old uh, <laughs> uh, physicians, like, I guess, can potentially yeah. get those. But you're going to sit down um, or, or lay down and do what's called a straight leg raise, where you basically keep your leg straight, nothing on it, no braces or anything, and try to raise it off the ground. And if you can actively raise your leg, you know, more than, a, I don't know, like a ruler length off the ground, mm -hmm. keeping it perfectly straight 
you didn't rupture your tendons. So you don't need to go within two weeks. It's a, it's a simple test. It sounds like it's, it's a, a huge hack, but it really is. I mean, that's exactly what we do. If we walk in and we're worried about it, that's the first thing we have you do. And it's a yes or no question. Um, now, granted, if you can't do it, it doesn't mean that you tore your quad tendon, but it definitely means I would get looked at sooner, right? Yeah. If, if, if that, if you cannot do that. That's a good one. Otherwise, even if you've torn your ACL or torn your meniscus or done all the things that everybody's worried about, the surgeries tend to not happen right away. Like they mm -hmm. tend to happen, you know, within three, six weeks. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so, and it's it, a lot of times better to actually let it cool down a little bit from the really bad injury before you start yeah. going in there. So I don't think you need to rush in on the Monday. I, I kind of think you, you kind of give it a few days and you can certainly call and get an appointment. And if, listen, if you can get in quick with somebody that you trust, I, I don't think there's a problem with it. But as the clinician, I would communicate to you that sometimes it's nice to have somebody give it a few days. So it can kind of like the acute inflammation can kind of like calm mm -hmm. down so that you can actually get a good exam on it. Um, Cause sometimes it hurts so bad within the first 24 to 48 hours that it, it's like really even hard to examine. I can't bend you. I can't straighten you. Yeah. And so it's, it, a lot of times you just wish that you could say, you know, like you'll say to him, like, I, I just wish you'd come back in a week and let me look at right. this. Yeah. Right. So, so, but we're doing a podcast. And so I can tell you kind of like, it is kind of nice to have like a week or so, mm -hmm. um, you know, between when it happened and when I saw you. And I just know that so many people come in. And one of the common things I, I assume you hear this too is, ah, I, if I'd come in last week, it was miserable, but now it's feeling so much better. And I'm so <laughs> upset that I, that, it, that you didn't get to see it when it was really bad. And I, you're like, no, no, this is a no, good this thing. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's nice though. Cause, and sometimes people will say, well, I, 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 today I didn't even think about keeping the appointment, but it took me like, you know, a week or 10 days to get in with you. You know, you and I are specialists. So, I mean, I'd hope we'd be able to get people in really quickly, but that's not always the case. Um, and uh, and they're like, I love I love those discussions because it's like, well, you've already done half of my job for me. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like the likelihood that this is going to be some big, major, big, scary. Oh, my gosh, you need surgery and re to reconstruct all these ligaments is pretty low. And then we can decide together, you know, whether we just give it more time or start some rehab or, you know, sometimes we'll talk about still getting an MRI or whatever. But and I won't go into this in terrible detail because this is a, a individual individual basis, you know, speaking with your primary or with, or with your healthcare provider. Like not everybody needs an MRI. And I think that it's been ingrained with us. It's like, oh, no, no, I blow up my knee. I get an MRI. End of story. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, like sometimes somebody like comes into my office and I'm really concerned that they might have some acute surgical or subacute surgical problem and I'll order them an MRI. But other times it's like, you're probably fine. It's not swollen. You're not having mechanical symptoms. It's not giving out on you all the time. Your exam, as as our one of our mentors, Dr. Chuck Bush Joseph, would say, you know, Jeremy, you've got a stable, dry knee today on exam. I'm very reassured, uh, you know. And that person, we could probably just, you know, give them some reassurance and uh, some expected management, maybe some PT or something. But it's, sometimes it's hard to get an MRI. They're expensive as hell. Uh, and many insurance, uh, companies will not let us order one or will not cover it for the patient unless they've done X, Y, or Z. You know, they usually it's they want to ha have had them have some four to six weeks of, of conservative treatment. And they do that one because they don't want to pay for MRIs, <laughs> but also because many of these injuries will get better and will not be a long-term problem. So they're banking on the fact that like, yeah, if you like give it a month, it might go back to normal. And that MRI was a waste of everybody's everything. So not that I'm trying to stand up for people, <laughs> for insurance companies. They don't have need anybody to speak for them. But 
the point yeah. is, is that a lot of these things are going to get better on their own. So the MRI is just going to be a waste of someone's money. Yeah. And and again, the one that everybody tends to be most worried about is like the big bad meniscus. And we're not going to go really far into that because that no. is like seven. We're going to have probably series. a whole entire episode. Yeah, yeah. That's several a, that's episodes on meniscus injuries because just as there's so much interesting debate about them and what we should be doing right. about them and we'll probably have, you know, one of our great surgeons on. But to the pertinent aspect of this conversation is the vast majority of meniscus tears don't need surgery. Mm -hmm. And even if they do require surgery, they don't need to have surgery within the first like 60 to 90 days. And you can still have a really good outcome, like even if you're repairing a meniscus. And so the concept of giving it four to six weeks and seeing what the outcome is and then getting an MRI if you're not better or have mm -hmm. signs and symptoms that are concerning is not the worst thing in the world. It really isn't. Yeah. It's it, it it you can get better. So a lot of our judgment is based on that. When when patients come in and they say it feels much better and they 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 wish I could see it before, I always uh, say you know this this is perfect Canadian medicine and no disrespect to the the, <laughs> the, the, the the Canadians up top, but the 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 concept of the fact that like it's just hard to get an appointment, right? Because yeah. it's just like everybody has healthcare, so you have to wait it out, and by the time you wait it out, you get better, and actually, that's good. Yeah, you know, the body know. heals. The body heals a lot of things, and and you don't need to surgically have everything done within a week because yeah. it's not 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 the best outcome. And I have empathy for the fact that it feels terrible. Like I tell people, like the first one to two weeks after these any type of acute injury, it's kind of like when we were talking again. I'll bring I'll bring up Cameron Hamid about the first couple of weeks of an ankle injury sucks. It's ugly. It's swollen. It's bruised. It looks like crap. It feels terrible. You can't really comfortably put weight on it. But then a lot of them get better. You know, and it it's sort of like. I kind of stratify it into like, all right, the first two weeks is usually like the red zone. Then you have for the next two weeks, you're in the yellow zone. Then usually after that, you're getting to the green zone as things as as the body and the immune system and the nervous system helps to heal that tissue the way that, you know, it, for the vast majority of people, it's going to go that way. So, yeah, it, but it is hard to tell people to like suck it up, buttercup <laughs> for the first couple of weeks when it super sucks. You know, that's not yeah. to downplay people's symptoms. It It is scary and it sucks, but I, it's nice to. Our, what I'm hoping to do, and I'm sure you are too, Jeremy, is just to reassure people that, yeah, the vast majority of the time this thing is going to heal and your body does a pretty good job of doing so if you just get out of her way and let it let it happen. Um, yeah. Anytime you've had to be around somebody who's had an acute injury, I think the, the biggest things that go through their brain are all the stuff we're trying to hit on here is like, should I get seen now? Do I need to get seen later? What are the things I need to look out for? What should I do for the treatment? Like right now, like all those things. Right. So. I want to hit on that last part. Um, you, we talked about ice. We talked about maybe like Advil or Aleve or something like that. Um, anything else that that you recommend to people in those first you know, four to seven days or things that they shouldn't do in the first like week or two to kind of help? Yeah, it? I mean, I, I usually tell them to let pain be their guide to some degree. Some people are like, well, should I not put any weight on it at all? And it's like, I don't know, like it's it's unlikely to be a fracture. Like kind of we talked about in that first sort of triaging questions, if you're able to put any weight on it and it's not terribly swollen and, you you know, it, it supports you. It's unlikely that you're that something is broken in half and you're not supposed to be putting weight on it. So I think uh, like listening to your joint and then if it gives you feedback of like, I don't feel that, then I don't, I don't like that, then don't do it. Um, that's why some people will elect to use a brace, you know, like even if it's just something like a like a stretchy knee sleeve, because one compression can be helpful to help reduce and control and make swelling feel better. Um, and also just maybe gives them a bit of sort of uh, neuromuscular biofeedback of, OK, I'm wearing this thing. I feel more secure with it on. It's not going to harm you in any way. It might not be doing a whole hell of a lot, but it, if it gives you some, you know, feeling of security heck yeah use use a brace if you want to i think ice is better than heat 
acutely, especially if things feel kind of inflamed or swollen. Um, and yeah, just sort of generally being off of it, like I wouldn't go work out or do something that invo- in, in, involves, you know, jumping, landing, twisting, pivoting for the first week or two. Yeah, the last comment I'd make on bracing um, would be, as we already brought up that that famous knee immobilizer, which I think <laughs> is like the emergency room goodie bag. Um, sure. That can have consequences. Um, mm-hmm. And so if somebody comes and sees me and it's been like a week or, you know, 10 days or even sometimes like four or five days and they've been in that immobilizer where they can't bend their knee um, for that amount of time, they can get really, really stiff um, mm-hmm. and it can make rehab much, much longer. And so, you know, I think if you don't have a fracture, like you, whatever for you've either been told, well, listen, if you're in a knee immobilizer, it's probably because you were seeing somebody and they put you in a knee immobilizer. So right. you've been told you, don't, you probably don't have a fracture at that point. Or if they said you have a fracture, stay in the knee immobilizer, stay in the knee immobilizer. <laughs> but if you don't have a fracture, and and you don't theoretically have one of like you can do a straight leg raise mm-hmm. with those two things get out of that knee immobilizer yeah like start Move moving it around. and if you have to use crutches i'm fine with that but like the the concept of like that knee immobilizer just like it is oh my gosh it causes so many headaches for us when we see them it does yeah so you do get, it gets really stiff and then it, the it's just it feels bad to then move it after it's been stuck in an extended position for five days and it just like that hurts and the whole thing kind of stinks so i would agree with you completely um yeah if you can you know right if you can do a straight leg raise and you can bear weight on it you're probably okay to bend it and extend it and sort of limp around you know for uh, for a week or two All right. So the last thing I want to do is like it's two weeks later and Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anybody um, just because I've been able to text you a bunch of times and Mm -hmm. I feel great now. Like it feels really, really good. But for the first few days, it was kind of swollen and I did have that acute mechanism like I haven't had it looked at. I feel like I could go back to everything I want to do. Should I just go back to everything I want to do or should I get it looked at or like what should I do? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, and I don't know, but I mean, like that would be kind of an individual basis and it's sort of how comfortable you feel like no one knows you're the expert on your knee. I even me looking at it and evaluating and doing a you know, an exam in the office doesn't replicate what your day to day life is. Um, but yeah, I think that the all of what you're telling me is very reassuring of like it's no longer swollen, feels more normal. I'm able to and sometimes I'll give them just like some quick and dirty, like, can you stand on one leg, bend your knee a little bit and then and then sort of twist and pivot side to side? Does it support you doing that? Can you hop up and down on one leg 15 times without it feeling like it's going to give out on you? Like maybe dip your toe in the water a little bit before you just go like straight to your pickup basketball game that you're going to play with your friends tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice, Julie. I think walk before you run is a reasonable, like <laughs> kind of like general concept i think the feedback i would give to play off what you're saying there is i i think you i would tell them it's okay to start testing it right and to do it gradually don't go back to 100 percent of everything right away but it is helpful information that if you start to try to go back to everything you want to do and over the next couple weeks it actually is pretty bad or it doesn't feel right like that's really good like sign off on see somebody Versus if you go another two, three weeks and it feels fantastic and you're back to everything you want to do, that's a pretty big gray zone. Because in theory, the likelihood that you did something that like is going to need surgery and you're able to do everything that you want to do. I mean, it's just hard. Like even if you came in and I got an MRI and I got a and I saw a big meniscus tear. I mean, it'd be weird to have a big meniscus tear. But let's just say you had a meniscus tear, but you're like Mm -hmm. more or less asymptomatic. You don't have any symptoms. Right. It's hard to 
do surgery on that person, right? I know. Like, I know. Like, I'm not I know. sure I anybody that will would. Lead into, yeah, I think that would lead into when we have we have like an actual a dedicated meniscus episode because that's probably something that you and I have discussions with patients about. I don't know. I'd say at least for me five times a day when I'm yeah. in the office. There's different degrees of how to manage those. And it brings me back even a little bit, and this may be off topic, off topic but um, like how... And I keep bringing back Dr. Hamid about when he like acute MRIs in the in uh, like right after an ankle sprain are, you know, uh, unhelpful. Or I think even you brought up one time, Jeremy, when we're talking about uh, acute lumbar injuries with Tom Lotus and with Adam, uh, like an MRI is like a I loved and I say this to patients all the time. An MRI is like a um, home inspection. It shows you every little tiny crack and crevice, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a catastrophic problem and or needs to be addressed. And so it's another thing of like, uh, once you get into the weeds of how to manage, you know, on a case by case basis, it gets a little bit more dicey, but it's not always the most, it's not always, you know, uh, gospel is to tell you exactly what needs to be done. It's just a series of images, but yeah, that's a hard one of like, Hey, if I'm feeling good and it's been six weeks, that's that magic number that everybody makes fun of in orthopedics. Everything takes six weeks. <laughs> it's very, like, give it six weeks and see how it goes. And. Um, but yeah, I think if it's been a month, month and a half and you're not really having symptoms and you're feeling OK and you want to go back to doing stuff like it's hard to prognosticate whether or not this will ever be a problem again for you. It may. It might not. And I've seen it. I've seen both cases many, 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 many times. And it's very difficult to predict who's going to be in column A and who's going to be in column B. And you might just have to live your life and see how it turns out. Yeah. One of the things I wish everybody would be OK with and that I think our system doesn't really uh, set us up for success here just because it costs money and time and effort to see a doctor would be going in, getting a check and being told everything's good. And like, yeah. I feel like most people are kind of disappointed by that for some reason, <laughs> you know, and I I think that there's a lot of factors that go into that, but you're just like, oh, so everything was fine. I didn't need to come in. And you're like, no, everything's fine, period. You did need like, to come in. It's great. It's a positive answer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could go either way on that one too. Sometimes I, I give that news to people and they're like, oh, thank God. And then they go live yeah. their lives and I never see them again. So then I assume yeah. that that means that they were good. <laughs> that if yeah. it was bad, they would have called me. But yeah, I, it's hard not to focus on the like, oh, well, it, but why does it hurt? Like, can you still hurt yourself? It's just, you didn't hurt yourself so bad that it's going to be a catastrophic thing that's going to follow you around the rest of your life. So right. good, good on you, friend. <laughs> Julie, you've been an excellent doctor friend. Thank you. I'd like Thanks. to summarize for everybody and then you can fill in any gaps um, um, that that I missed because um, I think I absorbed this well. I hurt my knee. Um, you're asking me, can I put weight on it? Does it look like it's straight? Meaning like, uh, does it look like it's still one limb? Uh, you know, like, is it is it completely like, am I seeing vascular problems or anything? Go to the emergency okay. room for all that that stuff. A lot of times that's obvious. Like, go get that checked out. Otherwise, you know, Sit down, put some ice on it, take an anti, you know, like an anti-inflammatory or a Tylenol if you need to give it a few hours, kind of see where you're at and ultimately maybe even give yourself a few days to a week or so to kind of see how it, it goes. If the symptoms that we're looking for, that would be like, I'd get this looked at are swelling. So like you feel like the knee blew up, uh, maybe it feels like unstable, it's buckling, it's giving out. Or it's getting locked or stuck in positions, is what you said, which we say mechanical symptoms. All other things, it's okay to continue to give it time. If you feel like you go back to normal, it's okay to test it. If it's mm -hmm. back to normal and you test it and it feels great, 
it's not wrong to come see us, hang out and get a reassuring answer just to make sure everything's fine. But ultimately, it's probably going to be okay. If it doesn't feel right, please come in and let us take a quick look. Um, but again, the, the the pressure should be off to get in and see somebody like, you know, like call up and be like, I just hurt my knee and I need to be seen yesterday because most of the stuff is helpful to see a week or so later. Did I hit yeah. most of it? You absolutely did. Yeah, I, I think it's right. And sometimes it's nice to remind ourselves that our bodies are pretty good at healing it themselves. And it makes sense that it's alarming in the beginning. But let that let those emotions pass. Let it li- listen to them <laughs> and say, I'm OK. And just you kind of run through things logically like you just spelled it out. Um, and if you're not meeting those milestones that we would expect, you know, over the first days and weeks, then, yeah, get it checked out. Wasn't um, it like that? There was a famous like uh, Greek philosopher who was like I don't know Socrates or whatever I, I forget who it was, but said you know we we as doctors spend most of our time trying to distract the patient while the body heals itself. <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> sometimes the shit that we do don't make you know better. So yeah. <laughs> sometimes less is more, and uh, and and these are such common injuries that you you know you are the expert of your situation, um, and uh, you know and we're here to help and and sort of tease things out for you in the long run, but. I think that was a great synopsis, my friend. Thanks. At the end of this, this is uh, something we're trying to do more quick hitting, uh, uh, fun questions that we get asked all the time. If you have another one, reach out to us on the social, your doctor Mm -hmm. friends on Instagram or TikTok, and uh, we can answer these questions quickly for you. We thought this is one that everybody has gone through and we get asked all the time. So that's why we started with it. This is your new doctor friends. So uh, hopefully that's helpful. Anything you want to add before we uh, hit the road? No, I thought that was great. It's probably just an East brain. Listen to your doctor friends. Love you guys. See you next time. Mm. (laughs) The amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. Mm-hmm.